What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Natural State. This is week one post Zach. I think we should have like a crying sound in there. It's not really. Maybe it's a cheering sound. Should we have a cheering sound? So tonight I am joined, of course, by Will as always, and my good buddy Wes Roberts. What's happening? What's going on, buddy? Mm -hmm. So we talk a lot of sports throughout the week, and half the time I talk about everything to him on the phone before I ever do a podcast, so I forget everything I'm going to say by the time I get on the podcast. So this ought to be good. Yeah. It's going to be exciting to have you on. So appreciate you joining us. So what's been going on, Will? You doing all right, man? Going good. I mean, I'm not a 49ers fan, so I'm still having a pretty good day. I don't hear you. Is your mic on? Is that better? There you go. Yeah, there we you got go. you now. It, just, it wasn't, in the, <laughs> wasn't in your ears. That was my fault. Yeah. Uh, not a 49ers fan, so I'm I'm doing good. <sighs> you really, know, you really had to go there. Yes, I did. You had to go there. Do we need to offer condolences? Probably. Or, or, I'm sitting I, I'm between. Not, how do we approach this tonight? I've been thinking about well, this today, and I don't want to just jump up and down on you, but at the same time... I catch enough grief for being a Cowboys fan that I have to give it back a little bit. So, so today I was talking to my neighbor, and um, he made a good point for Cowboys fans. He said, because he said there's no way in the world he was going to root for the Niners, which I'm understanding of. There's no way I'd root for the Cowboys. But he made the point that he said the main reason why he was rooting for the Chiefs and excited for them is because they started from Dallas. So, I mean, in, in a roundabout way, Dallas got a Super Bowl this year because they were the – they that's, were <laughs> that, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. Even for so, a fan, that's a stretch. I'm just trying to help you cowboy guys out. So, See, I mean, y'all need something. I'm to... trying to be nice and tiptoe around <laughs> on an issue because you got the full beat out of you last night, and you're still oh, throwing stuff at me. Man, well, you know, I'm, I'm always going to give you a You can't help time. yourself. I can't. I can't. It just it happens. It's the Cowboys. It's, it's just that's what I've done my whole life. So, you just lost the Super Bowl. You lost by 11. I mean, technically they lost by four, but, you know, that last touchdown was crap. I mean, it counts on the scoreboard, but nobody cares. My final score on my TV said 11. Yeah, well, you don't count because you passed out with like 10 minutes left, so you don't even get to say anything. That's why they have free play in ESPN. <laughs> and, okay. Yeah, it was um, it was disappointing. I was uh, with seven minutes to go. I was the Niner fan that was jumping up and down and and, and excited in my living room because I thought that they were finally going to get number six, um, but it ended in a very disappointing fashion. Um, I'm not sure who to blame. I feel like I should blame everybody in the 49ers organization, but we started doing that under Harbaugh a few years ago, and we see where that got us for five years after that. So, I mean, what did you guys think of the game in general? I thought it was a good game. Because I was talking to people beforehand, and there was folks, of course, it seems like, I guess maybe because proximity and maybe the Patriots not being there, I don't know. But it seemed like everybody in the world was a Chiefs fan over the last couple of weeks. And people that I never knew, even knew that the Chiefs existed, were Chiefs fans. And I got into it with a couple of folks on social media talking about how it was going to be a snooze fest, and the game was going to be awful, and the Chiefs were going to blow them out. So I was excited that it wasn't that it was a good game. I mean, that bandwagon certainly grew last week oh, or the yeah. two weeks leading up to that because they give you that extra week to build right. momentum. Yeah, that's uh, there were some new Chiefs fans coming out of the woodwork. There was a lot of them, and I mean, I, and, and hey, you know, the Chiefs had never won one technically, so congratulations to the Chiefs. 
they got their first one. They're that only, is recorded, isn't it? They're, they're only yeah. Congratulations they're, to okay. Yeah, they're only four behind the rest of us and five behind some others. So we won't talk about them. So your mic is muted. You can't talk. You said you weren't talking tonight. Nope, nope, nope. Six and twenty years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew I'd call him out though. He he can't not talk the whole night. So so what happened? Like, I mean, I know it's Patrick Mahomes. He led three ten point ten plus point. Uh, comebacks in the playoffs. Set this up. Set this so, up. Where were you at in the fourth quarter? You were up okay. like 10 in the fourth quarter? Yes, up 10. What, seven-ish minutes to go. You got to be feeling good right there. Feeling pretty good, but you got Patrick Mahomes. And, I mean, again, you know that, that they're not going to quit. You know that the Chiefs are going to put points on the board. So, my question, though, for Shanahan, and I, and I made this point in an emotional moment in an emotional social media post last night, and I didn't mean this in a in a sense that I think yes, that, you did. that Shanahan should be gone, but this is twice now that Shanahan has shit the bed in the in the Super Bowl. I mean, he did it at Atlanta where he had a massive lead and he decided to screw around and throw the football. He and now, admittedly he had Matty Ice who was a little better in terms of his his history. Well, now you got Jimmy G who we've been told all year that Jimmy G can't win the big game for San Francisco. The running game got you there. The running game is what worked the entire game, you averaged almost seven yards a carry throughout three and a half quarters. And then inexplicably, with seven minutes to go, you decide that you're going to step on their throat by allowing Jimmy freaking Garoppolo to throw 11 times in the last seven minutes. And I, I think, let's see, I'll have to pull it, but I think it was like punt. Let me see here. I had it pulled up a minute ago. So over his last few, over those last four possessions, I think it was like punt, 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 interception, or something like that. I don't remember exactly. How did that make you feel? I was very irate. I was very, I feel like I'm in a counseling session now. <laughs> I was very, very irate. It was extremely frustrating. I mean, so the, I mean, I, okay. First off, you had a third and 15. You had the Chiefs shut down, or third, yeah, third and 15. You had the Chiefs stopped up 10. And somehow, some way, and again, the, 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 the secondary is the weak link for San Francisco. Mahomes throws a duck that goes 100 foot in the air, and somehow it falls right into the waiting arms of Tyree Kill like he was waiting for a punt, and there wasn't anyone within 10 yards of him. It was ended up being a 44-yard gain, which changed the game. They scored a touchdown thereafter, made it 20-17, to and the Niners crapped the bet on the next possession. We see what happens. Mahomes drives down, leads the game-winning score, and, of course, Jimmy G comes back out and does his best – what was it – who did we have last year? Cole Kelly. Well, his. would this fall under the definition of a choke? It's it's pretty close if it's not well, exact definition. It's it's close. It's not twenty eight to three choke, right? But again, you have a quarterback who has led a historic offense in the NFL this year and has been has come back from ten down what four times this year. And I told a KC fan that I know. Uh, because she was bragging about it, and I said, mm, "You don't. That's not something your team needs to get used to doing. It's coming from ten down because you're going to end up coming, you know, being down thirty-five and not being able to come back in a big game. But uh, it's hard to call it a choke because it is a Super Bowl. Yeah, you lost by eleven, but I mean, you were up ten in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, twenty-one point swing yeah. in seven minutes." Okay, yeah, that's that's a choke. Well, and the fair question too, though. I mean, I, I'm I'm going to agree with you. I mean, so who choked though? Was it was it was it Shanahan and his play calling? But I mean, think about this. So, 
Garoppolo was 18 of 22 for 195 yards. He averaged nine yards a pass, had a touchdown and interception with a nearly 100 passer rating with seven minutes to go in the game. From that point forward, he went three of 11. They had a punt, a punt, a turnover on downs, and an interception. Meanwhile, the, the team had run for 109 yards, only 17 touches. They were averaging almost seven yards a carry. They didn't run the ball enough. They put everything in the Jimmy G basket. To me, I mean, as good as Jimmy G played early on, and I remember thinking throughout as I was watching the stats, thinking, man, Jimmy's outplaying Mahomes right now. And statistically, it was. At one point, Mahomes was barely a 50% passer in the third quarter. And then all of a sudden, he did his normal and went off in the fourth quarter, and Jimmy G went the other direction. So, I mean, it's fair to ask, Is it was it the Shanahan play calling, or did he continue doing what he was doing, and Garoppolo just stopped making plays? Now, give Kansas City some credit. Their defensive line got more pressure there late. Um, they did a little more a little more stunting. They, they did a little bit of different things in the defensive backfield and helped them out. So, I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs won it. You know, they earned it. I mean, San Francisco definitely, I guess, for lack of a better term, they choked it away. I mean, you're up 10 with seven minutes to go and you give up 21 unanswered. That's, that's not a good way to finish a game, obviously. Okay, so anytime you lose the big one, you, you immediately look to next year for something to feel good about. Mm-hmm. So in the land of free agents, what, what do the Niners look like? Next year, the good you thing have a team that can do this again. Yes, the, the Niners are extremely young, and the good thing is, is that they only have three unrestricted free agents. Um, and I, I don't I have to look. I did not pull that information up. I cannot remember where Kittle stands on that, um, and a couple of other guys. But uh, but they're in a good position. I think the the way too early NFL power rankings came out today. Um, they've got uh, Kansas City one, San Francisco two. Um, I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that they're in a good position um, as long as Garoppolo con- continues to grow. I made this point last night, too. To me, San Francisco is about two seasons ahead of where they really should be right now. No I one, would agree with that. You're talking about a team that was 3-13 and 13 last year to go to 13-3 and three this year. You had the number two pick last year. I mean, and you go to this point. And, and, and all of that is coming off – your quarterback's coming off an ACL tear last year. So When you say all that out loud, it's hard to be disappointed, right? Oh, I'm not, dis- I'm, I'm not disappointed in the season. This team, if you would have asked me when the season started, and we probably talked about this, I don't know that I would have ever said – I mean, I'd have, I was begging for them to be a wild card team. You know, I mean, so – and as tough as the NFC has been, and specifically the NFC West, I really thought that it would be a stretch for them to even make the playoffs. So for them to get the Super Bowl, like I said, they're way ahead of schedule. The game was disappointing. The season was absolutely not. The season right. was exciting and a lot of fun. They win the West. No one expected them to do that. They, I think they had the most. They had the most ten plus point comebacks on the year. So overall, I mean, a lot to be excited about. A lot to be excited about in the future. Uh, Debo Samuel looks like a real deal number one. Um, they've got a lot of talent in the backfield. As long as Jimmy G continues to develop, and I and I've got a good friend that that argues that Jimmy G and he's a huge Niners fan, and he argues Jimmy G is not the answer. But he's not the answer. He's a liability. I don't know that he's a liability. I just – it's going to be curious to see – I'm going to be curious to see how he develops under Shanahan for the next – Y'all gave him franchise months. money. He needs to develop. Well, and again, this year to me, is as, as good as he was at times, he may have seemed like a liability. But again, this is a guy coming off of ACL surgery just over a year ago. No one expected him to be – and it's not like he has to run around a ton, but no one expected this team to be where they are. So, I mean, it, it was an exciting run. It was just a very disappointing finish. All right, so now you got to know where to find us, I guess, on social media. Will, you want to let us know where to find you on Twitter over there? Well, I think it's Will underscore NSS. 
I'm still not sure about that because I, I seem to get confused just as much as y'all do. I think we get it backwards week. every time, but it is at Steve underscore NSS is mine. That's where you'll find me on Twitter. Jump on. I like to try to throw some extra stuff out there. Um, also, don't forget to follow the, the, the podcast page at Inside State. I'm trying to do a better job of getting that grown. Um, of course, at Natural State Sports on Twitter, Natural State Sports on Facebook. Search it up and you'll find it. Um, we've not we've not pulled Wes into the land of the the great Twitter followers yet, so I don't know if you want to throw. I don't even Twitter. have Twitter. Okay, well, oh, you'll get there. Trust <laughs> me, it's, it's it's fun and it's really entertaining. With the actually, I take that back. Thing. I do have a Twitter. I have a Twitter for the insurance office, and I have a Twitter for the wife's boutique. And I have not logged into either one of them since I created them. I don't have one personally. Well, we may have but to change that. We, we have, probably will. Yeah, we may have to make a different. May have to make a change there. Wes underscore NSS. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Just, we can make him a Twitter. He'd never check it. So on to basketball. Um, oh, and don't forget, make sure that you share, subscribe, and leave a review on the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Uh, no matter how you listen to it, get in there, subscribe, share, leave us a review. We want to know what you think. Um, you know, we've had a, we've had a lot of fun guests so far this year. I've um, got a lot of fun guests coming up. We've got a really exciting guest coming tonight here in just a few minutes. So uh, you'll want to stay tuned for that. But uh, make sure you like, share, and subscribe, um, and, and let us know what you think and leave us a review. Um, moving on to basketball. How about them Hogs last week? How about them? One and one, although they lost the one at home, which I think everybody was was in the dumps and, and had the feel that uh, – Were you really, though? I mean – When you look at – how poor we were from the free throw line. Were, was, was it really that surprising? It, you lost at home. You want to protect the home court, and it's never a good thing to lose at home. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I mean, you can look at that and say, okay, that was an effort. That was – actually, that does make it worse. <laughs> How do you go to the line? And never mind. I, I, I just defeated the purpose that I was trying to make there. But, yeah. Well, and I get your point because when you look at it statistically, I mean, the number one thing that I was disappointed in the South Carolina game was the defense, the, 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 the defensive uh, energy and, and, and how they played on the defensive side uh, of the ball. I didn't think that – I thought this was one of their worst defensive games of the year. South Carolina has not been an overly great uh, shooting team. They shot 51% from the field in that game. Um, I didn't pull the breakaway stats, but I want to say that in the first half, their numbers were absolutely Didn't they outrageous. win at Kentucky, too? They did. So they have picked well, moments that, was that they at home. played that, they, really well. They won that in, in uh, Columbia, but they didn't they – Still a big at, win. It's still a huge win um, to, to pull that off. And so, But to come into, into Bud Walton and get that win was – I mean, that's, that's pretty tough. But to see the way they bounced back against Alabama um, – But, yeah, I mean, you think about it. They shot 65% from the free throw line, but – South Carolina tried to help them. I mean, they shot 52% from the free throw line, which we knew South Carolina is a terrible free throw shooting team. We were even on rebounds. Um, they, you know, we, we had, we had more turnover or more, more steals. Uh, we did have an ad, both teams had 16 turnovers. So, I mean, overall, I thought that, you know, when you look at the numbers and you look at the final score, it was a and pretty easy game. Too many turnovers and the free throw percentage was horrible. Yeah. The, the free throw percentage is what killed them. I mean, and they only shot 27% from three. So, but you, you let me ask you this because you keep an eye on uh, social media on the the pulse of the fan base more so than I do. So before we get into Saturday's game, when they lost midweek, how many people did you see jumping off of that bandwagon? Because I know there were some. Yeah, I think we've had a, a, a number of people that have kind of maybe cooled on the must bus just because of some of the losses they've had. Um, but I think for the most part, the fan base is still well behind Musk. 
And a lot of it is, is, you know, his interactions on social media. And like, even today he was at another, another frat house uh, doing a pickup basketball game. They filmed that he was doing. So I think the, the fan support is still, and, and I think Razorback nation is still 100% behind. It 100% uh, needs to be. And they should be. He is getting every ounce of everything that he can out of this team. Yeah. You know, we, we were talking about this before we got started, but I mean, when you look at some of the statistics that are out right now, I mean, this this team is set, and I and look, I've said it. I've been bullish on this team all year, and in, in the fact of whether or not this is going to be a tournament team. Um, but when you look at the numbers right now, and you look at very reputable sites out there, everybody has this team in the tournament, and not just in the tournament, as high as a six or seven seed right now. I mean, and you think about what the numbers can do. We'll talk about that game coming up to the, the game that's going to be coming up when this podcast comes out tomorrow. Um, but that's that's I mean that could be a huge turn if 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 Arkansas can pull that off. We got a tough stretch. I don't know that we end up as high as a six, but I think we end up around a seven or eight. Which to start the year, if you'd have told me, hey, I'm going to give you a seven or eight seat, where do I sign up? <laughs> right. I mean, there's there's no chance anybody would have seen that coming. I mean, I think you and I talked about it. We've talked about it on the podcast over the last few months. I mean, you didn't know what you're going to get from this team because it's a piece together team. Right. I mean, he's taken. He's taken pieces and has and, and has put them in places and done insane things. His his attention to detail mm-hmm. and the analytics that he works with, it's a, it's amazing. Hundred percent. And and the what he gets what he's getting out of Mason Jones right now. I mean, Mason Jones is one hundred percent SEC Player team. of the Year type. Yeah. Well, he, he, I mean, he was Player of the Week again. It's I think second time this year that he's been Player of the Week. It was somehow shared. I didn't even see who he shared it with, but he was co offense or co Player of the Week, but. I mean, man, I'm what he's done with this program in a short amount of time is nothing short of amazing. And and you think about the recruiting class that's coming in next mm-hmm. year, the arguments that people want to make about, oh well, he only wants to play seven. I promise you, he's going to go eight. It's or nine coming, deep. guys. It's coming. He, well, he's going to go eight or nine deep with the guys he has coming in next year. I mean, it's it's going to be exciting. And and I mean, it's been exciting right now. The you know the frustrating part with with the South Carolina game, um, you know that loss and and just the way they lost. I mean, to give up almost 79 points to South Carolina is, is highly frustrating. And, but again, you saw it the next week with Alabama, they seemed to, or the next game, they played much better against Alabama um, on Saturday at Alabama, which I think most people did not see that as a win. Um, They played extremely well in that game. They did. They, They play well on the road. It's almost like they, they don't, differentiate between home and away. Their their defense travels, their offense is always spotty, and there's there's going to be moments, not moments, minutes that go by that we can't score. But their defense plays well, whether they're at Bud Walton or whether they're on the road. And that's been a refreshing thing this year compared to last year and the previous staff, and not to say anything bad about the previous staff, but they would play well defensively at home. On the road, they were just, okay, we forgot our shorts and our shoes don't have laces. <laughs> and this team goes all out, whether they're at home or on the road. I'm as confident on them winning on the road as I am at home. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. They, they definitely play well no matter where they are. And you look at the Alabama game, I mean, they shot 48% from the field, um, 38% from three-point range. Uh, 70% from the free throw from the free throw line. So that's, I mean, that's more respectable. You'd like to see that 75 to 80% at mm-hmm. least. Um, they, they weren't killed on the boards. They were only beat by seven, 41, 34. How surprised are you in that? Because um, that was a telling statistic to me that I expected us to be worse on the boards there with that game. 
Well, I didn't because and, and here's the reason is Alabama, they're not they're not gonna kill you with size. They're not one of the teams that's gonna really kill you with size. But number two, they shoot a ton of threes. And with a team that shoots a ton of threes, you have opportunities for guards to rebound more because you're gonna have long rebounds. So I'm not overly surprised if we didn't get killed on the boards in that game. I, I think that's pretty indicative of of what's uh, of kind of what's come to expect and, and in that style of game and the pace they're gonna play. What I found more surprising, and I think this is a fair question. When you start looking at some of the breakouts of of what happened as far as you know the different the, di- the different I can't say that word the uh, when you differentiate the the points as far as the over you know what where where Arkansas was and with certain lineups in I think right now the question's got to be asked should Isaiah Joe be benched You are saying that we talked about that this morning yeah. I did not think you were going to bring that up yet you did Well I think it's it's a fair question I mean so so let me just throw these numbers at you um, when, when you look at, so let me pull my right sheet here. Um, so the, this, the point differential with Joe on the floor. So with Joe on the floor, we were 19 points worse. So we were minus 19 with Joe on the floor. We were outscored 40. This game. Yeah. Again, well, against Alabama, we were outscored 49 to 30 with Joe on the floor with, with, with Jalen Harris on, with Joe on the bench. We, we outscored Alabama 52-29, to 29, so we were a plus 23 with Joe on the bench. Okay, we know he's not 100%. Right. And when he's out of the game, they know they have to use dribble drive and motion and do some things because they don't have that three-point shooter behind them. Mm-hmm. But when he's on, he is – I mean, if that's your team, are you going to sit him the next game just because he had a poor game when he was hurt? Well, but so the question is, is obviously they're planning because they don't think that the injury can get worse and whatever it is. We don't have any clue what it is. But, I mean, would it not be smarter at this point? We've already – we've said this all year. We've been concerned about where their legs are going to be come to the end of the year. Is this not leaked so, out anywhere? Do we not know what he has at all? No, all they've said is uh, inflammation of the knee. Yeah, so, I, I, mean, I was going to mean so many things. Okay. I read today that the – that, I mean, people are saying meniscus, which would make sense, um, and, and he could have that cleaned up and be back in two weeks. So, to me, it would make sense. I know you, and you're running up against a point now where you've got to make a decision pretty quick. But to me, if, if that is what it is, if that is indeed what it is and it's a two- to three-week deal, clean it up and have him ready 100%. for the tournament. Yeah, you know? if it's I a mean, meniscus, set him for two weeks. Yeah. We'll deal with what we've got to deal with. I don't think that they lose that much ground, and we need him down the stretch. I mean, yeah. If we're going to make a run in the tournament, we've got to have him healthy and shooting threes. Yeah, well, and to your point, when you think about, you know, now, number one, I think Jalen Harris, and he has over the last few weeks, Jalen Harris needs more playing time. Now, had you told me that I would say that about two months ago, I'd have told you you're crazy. But, I mean, again, to your point, when you look at the point differential, with Jalen Harris on the floor and Isaiah Joe out, we were a plus 22. Jalen Harris is my hero this week. Look at my note. Jalen, 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 Jalen. He yeah. played well. He, he he played more than well. I mean, he was the MVP of that game outside of Mason. I mean, him and Mason were the two, the the absolute difference makers. This, I, I pulled this, too, as far as the total over. So, what do you think is Arkansas's best lineup right now? So, you go Mason Jones. Um, I just – Jalen Harris – I'm going to say Reggie Chaney, Adriel Bailey, and, of course, Witt. So, against Alabama, Seals, Harris, Jones, Witt, and Chaney were a plus 38-point differential. 
And by far and away, that was the best lineup against Alabama. Jimmy Witt, this dude, you want to talk about a guy that, I mean, he's definitely the player of the year for Arkansas outside of Mason Jones, and it may be pretty close with the way that Witt plays defensively. He may be better than Mason at this point. He's a huge weapon on the defensive side, but his mid-range game is second to none. If we need a basket – that's where he's going. Yeah, and he doesn't miss. No. It, the crossover to get to the, the extended free throw line and that little jumper, that is sweet. It's yes. almost money every time. And he's pretty much playing 40 minutes a game. I mean, he is. He's, he's playing every minute. And, he's and again, so you can your, your concern is fair. I mean, as far as do the legs hold up. But so far, so good for Witt. I don't know that he gets tired. I mean, the guy just keeps on keeping on. And it's, he, he's a lot of fun to watch. And well, he's, he's been, been worried about the legs since November. They, they still have not – I mean, they've showed moments where, okay, yeah, they're tired. but And I understand we still have February and March to go, but – Yeah, I mean, but you still got, what, 10 – we got, what, 10 more conference games left, I think. So, we're five or four and four right now. Um, so, you're, you're eight games into this thing and um, still a lot, a lot to play. You, you've got a lot of season left. So, uh, like you said, the defense seems to travel, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it continues because that's that's one of the more difficult pieces. Is what do we have this week? We've got Auburn coming up tomorrow. Yeah, so you got Auburn tomorrow, which Missouri. Ooh, yes, that is right. I'll pull the schedule up here in front of me, um, but I think you're right. One more time. Well, with that Auburn game, yeah, uh, you know everyone's thinking you know they're going to come in you know hot shooting team and everything, but if you actually look at the statistics, they're actually they're a worse shooting a worse three point shooting team than we are, and, you know, we've got the number one three-point defense in the country, so if we can limit, you know, Musk is going to prepare for their big guy um, that, I don't know his name, but uh, message boards are just like, this guy's going to tear us up. Oh, well, Wiley. Yeah, yeah Wiley. So, Musk is going to prepare. You'll probably see wit on him. Right. Uh, you'll you'll see you're probably switching between him and, and Mason Jones on him as well some, but if they can take him out of the game and make their other players, you know, be the guys to beat us, we have a very chance of a very good chance of not just winning, but winning by a comfortable margin. Yeah. Because he is their go-to guy. That team goes as he goes. So if we can control him, I think we have a great chance of, of winning that game comfortably. Yeah, and you look at all. I mean, they've been on a roll. Um, you know, they since they had that little. The, the the run where they were kind of getting beat pretty bad after they started undefeated. Um, they they beat S- South Carolina pretty handily at home, eighty to sixty seven. Um, they won in the big uh, the SEC uh, Big Twelve Challenge. Uh, they beat Iowa, uh, yeah, Iowa State, um, and then they beat they took double overtime to beat Ole Miss. But again, there's going to be a lot to be said about the energy that they exceeded that they put out to beat Kentucky on Saturday, and and what kind of hangover they're going to have coming into Fayetteville on on you know, on Tuesday. So. Saturday to Tuesday is a quick turnaround. It is. I mean, it is. Absolutely. And and in that type of game, and really, I mean, both both teams played big games on Saturday that were draining games. Um, but uh, nothing kind of compares to that situation in, in what Auburn, a top 20 battle uh, with Kentucky uh, at home. I mean, they, they put out a lot of energy. And you can see it after the game. I mean, the dancing and the, the fun there. I mean, it almost looked like Chad Morris's club dub. So, um, you know, he really went there. He brought that. <laughs> I thought we'd let that die, but apparently we haven't. Because in conversation, we've not brought that back up. Well, you find a spot for it every now and oh, again. Oh, my dear Lord. You're fired. <laughs> oh. You can't fire me. Mm. So, okay. I mean, that would be a big win. Uh, it's at home. Um, 
You just gave a million reasons why they can win. That's that's still a big win. Arkansas opens as a one and a half point favorite, and we are eleven and eight against the spread this year. So I like our chances. I do like our chances. I think we match up fairly well with Auburn. I think we're going to shoot the ball well, but is this that game that we truly miss Isaiah if they do have to sit him, or is this that game where Joe just comes goes out of his mind and finally has a big game? I don't know. If Joe has a big game, this team wins. I don't think Joe plays. I, I mean, they keep trying to get him to play, and he keeps not being able to give us what we need from him to be effective in the game. So the smart thing to do, and, and most is smart. I'm not saying he's not or anything like that, but I think the, the smart thing to do for the whole season is to sit him because, as you said in the Alabama game, that lineup without him in there and putting Harris in there, they just they that offense flows so well. Uh, the in-out game, everything, it, it just flows so well. And when Joe's in there, I mean, he's a good three-point shooter, but he's not a dribble driver. Uh, he doesn't get into the lane much. He doesn't even shoot that 15-foot jump shot very much. So it, it, what they do, come off two or three screens to get him a uh, shot open. So, And I think that the offense just flows so much better without him. So I think they should probably sit him this game, maybe even two games, of just to try and get that knee swelling down because that swelling is not going to go down if you keep trying to put him out there for 20 minutes a game and him not get – I mean, zero points against Alabama. Yeah. So, it just – Well, and it's important to remember, too, that, you know, Joe – and it's this is not a secret. I mean, he has – he struggles to create a shot. He struggles to find it. So, what he – where he excels is being able to move and being able to cut and, and, to, back, and to back cut off the of screens and different things – which he obviously can't do right now. He's obviously limited in how well he can cut and how well he can move. And then obviously his lift is 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 affected as well as on a shot. So and you can tell. I mean, his shot's not what it was early in the year. His energy's not what it was. And I think it was the old Miss. I know this old Miss game when he got banged up. But and I maybe that maybe the play that happened. I just remember him his knee buckling and he slid almost like the floor was wet. And you could see it in his eye. I mean, you knew he was hurt at that point. And and it's been a downhill run ever since. So. I think it's smart, like you said, sit him for a couple of weeks, get that thing cleaned up, get whatever you need to do to get the swelling down and get him, you know, where – because his legs will be important come tournament time. I mean, that's a guy that you don't want to miss in that situation. I'm all in. I have someone that's had medial ligament issues. If that is the problem, yeah, set him. Set him, 100%. Well, so the cool thing is, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, where this – what this team has done and and where this team is going. I I found a little bit of stuff, some interesting stats – um, I'm trying to find, I got too many windows open over here. What do I do with it? Maybe it's right here. Oh no, this is it. So this is a pretty cool site. The, the, uh, teamrankings.com, uh, which is, they, they lay out, they, they do a lot of analytical stuff. Um, currently they have Arkansas as an 84% chance to make the tournament, 73% chance to be in at large bid. Most likely seed is a six seed. I, I just, I, I, I would love that, but I, I don't know. There's some tough basketball left. Yeah. yeah have you looked at the F, the BPI? I keep wanting to call it FPI, the but <laughs> the BPI. I think. Well, I think the BPI really does give Arkansas a chance to hit that six seed. So does that update every couple of days or is it weekly? I think it's every couple of days. Like they they know what the major days of of base or basketballs on what Monday, right. Tuesday, and then Thursday, yeah, Thursday Saturday. So I, I wasn't think, sure if it was like the RPI in baseball that updates every 
couple of days. I know the net updates almost immediately every morning. I'm not sure I have to look at the BPI and see. Um, Where are we at? The BPI has liked us for a while, though, hasn't it? It's been bullish on Arkansas for several. I think they had, before the South Carolina loss, I do believe the BPI had us going 12-6 and in conference play. 12-6 and in conference play would put Mm. us in that five-seed spot, maybe even a four-seed. Pass whatever Uh, he's drinking. (laughs) Right? That's the computer's. And, yeah, and so that, that's they're looking at all the advanced statistics and everything, which we know Musselmans are very high proponent on as far as the coach goes, uh, using all those advanced statistics uh, to figure out game plans. So I think with ten games left, I think they have us going six and four. I think may, maybe even seven and three. I think loss at Georgia, at Florida, at Tennessee, and. And that would have to be it to get. Yeah, that would have been that'd that's, be seven, that's and, seven three. and three. I mean, so we're we've got we're sitting on sixteen wins right now. If there's seven wins there, th- so this has got an odds. Where to do make I sign it, up? Right, no, I, right, absolutely. I mean, this team gets to 22, 23 wins. I'm all over. I mean, who? No one would have expected that to start the season. And I mean, you look at these numbers at twenty wins. Teams have an eleven percent chance to make the tournament. But at 22 wins, they have a 77% chance to make the tournament. So, I mean, realistically, this team needs to get to 22 or 23, which is what we're talking about. That'd be 6-4, and 7-3 and three finish. Um, that would be phenomenal. These The stats on this website are pretty cool. I mean, they've got, they've got of course, 90 or almost 90% chance to make Give the tournament. Give that side out again. Uh, it is teamrankings.com, and it is they're under their bracket picks and predictions. Um I can get, check that one out. They give Arkansas a 51% chance to make it to the round of 32. And a 23% chance to make the Sweet 16. So, I mean, this, analytically, they believe they're high on the hogs. I mean, from an analytics standpoint, um, you look at the overall numbers, you know, this was interesting, too, um, when you look at the the tournament win odds by seed. So, as a nine seed, nine seeds typically have an 8% probability of winning. Whereas a six seed has a 14%. It's a better draw. So, yeah, I mean, and and that eight, nine is pretty tough. And actually, once you get a little higher at the 4%, those numbers start going down. The four seeds, it's interesting where the the odd numbers start to change. So, this is a pretty cool site to follow. There's some good information here. Um, This is their bracketology, and it kind of takes all of the other numbers, all the analytics, and puts it together. So, Arkansas right now is 34th in the net. Pretty much everybody has them as an eight or a seven or eight in bracketology. So, I mean, pretty exciting stuff. Like you said, well, once again, talking about basketball and ball season, it's a beautiful thing. I know it. Absolutely, it's fun. It's fun to have something to get us to baseball season. That's right. <laughs> I mean, because we know what we got when we come baseball season. So when we get back, we will be joined by the one and only Art Bryles, and we're going to get an opportunity to pick his brain a little bit on the offensive philosophy and what we can expect out of Kendall Bryles. This episode of Inside the Natural State is brought to you by Mountain Valley Spring Water. Since 1871, bottled in glass straight from the Washita Mountains. Visit mountainvalleyspring.com today to find your local distributor. Welcome back to Natural State Sports, and we've got Coach Art Bryles joining us tonight. Coach, we absolutely appreciate the pleasure of you joining us tonight. How's things down in Texas? 
Oh, it's awesome. You know, honestly, I'm kind of, I'm out here in East Texas now. So, and, and I've never been in East Texas. I've always lived in West Texas all my life and kind of Central Texas and South Texas. So it's my first adventure out here in East Texas. And the thing that, you know, that I've noticed is where I'm sitting right now in Mount Vernon, Texas, I'm closer to Fayetteville, Arkansas than I am to Austin, Texas. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of different. But, uh, you know, it's because I didn't realize the states were that close from, from out here in East Texas, but it's awesome. There's a lot of Razorback fans out this way, I promise you. So you're going to spend a lot of time talking to those recruits in East Texas for us now, right? <laughs> 100%. Actually, my <laughs> the guy that played quarterback for us this year is going to come to school up there. He's just going to come up there and go to school, but he's he's like the, the second. He's a salutator, and he's an awesome guy. So oh, wow. No, you're getting, you're getting some good people. Absolutely. Well, obviously, that's kind of why we wanted to bring you in is, you know, of course, the connection with, with Kendall and, and, uh, and his hiring here at Arkansas with, with Coach Pittman. Wanted to kind of get your thoughts there as, as far as on the hire of Pittman and, and what your thoughts is with that and, and of course, that connection to Bryles and, and how all that kind of, how that kind of worked out. You know, I think it's just – I think it's kind of the way it ought to be. You know, I can, I can say that I didn't know Coach Pittman, you know, before just through the profession because uh, he's kind of always been the SEC, I guess, most of his career and, uh, you know, been an O-line coach. And uh, but, but when I got to looking at his background and stuff, for me, I think, it, I think it's just – I think it's a great hire. I think because he's 58 years old, and I think maybe he was a head coach at a smaller university early on. I'm not really sure, but I know he really – this will be his first major head job. And I think I think it's just good. You know, in today's world, I mean, you know, you, you're hiring guys 34, 35. You know, I mean, it can it can look – can look flashy, you know, for a little bit, but somewhere in there's just got to be substance. And I think, you know, Coach Pittman's just, I think he's got it. And I think it's great for those guys that he hired, you know, my son in particular, but other coaches on that staff. I know Barry Odom, you know, Barry's a great hire and great guy. And, and I think it's a great stability hire. Somebody that's been through the fires and he's not going to panic. He's not going to change. He is who he is. So I, I just, I think it's a tremendous hire. And I'm, I'm just really excited and, and thankful that, uh, you know, he was able to hire Kendall and, and they're going to get to be together. Well, we're, we're certainly ex- excited about Kendall being here and, and, uh, and, and what he brings from an offensive standpoint, um, and, and more so, I guess, what he brings from a quarterback uh, development standpoint as well. Um, talk about the origins of your offense and, and, and what's the most important aspect to make it successful. Well, you know, if we're going to do that, this, this is going to last longer than 12 to 15 Uh-oh. minutes. Cause, I mean, it, <laughs> it goes it goes back a ways, you know, because I've been coaching, you know, this is actually, I think, my sixth decade. I started in 1979, so this is 2020. But, you know, I, and I've, I've been a head coach, you know, like for 34, 35 of, you know, 40-something years. But, um, you know, really, the, just like anything, I mean, everything's trial and error. You know, I started out, I was a – Houston beer guy because I went to University of Houston, Bill Yeoman, and, and Arkansas actually beat us. Uh, it was the only loss that we had. But, um, you know, it's I, I was a Houston beer guy growing up, ran a little wishbone, and then, you know, one of my first head jobs back in the mid-'80s, you know, I found out if we are going to win a state championship, we had to kind of change. So that's that's when I went shotgun and, and one back and, and really no back. And it's just evolved through the years. We started running the zone read when I was a high school coach in 1990 because I had a real good quarterback named Cody Ledbetter and went to New Mexico State and actually led the nation in total yards while he was there. And it's just gone through the years, really kind of dependent on the personnel. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge personnel guy and fitting, you know, your 
your scheme into your players and not the opposite. So Kendall's got a great background on quarterbacks. You know, we had some great ones uh, that he got to play with at, at Houston. You know, he went to Texas first and uh, was around Vince Young. And then he came to Houston. He's around, you know, Kevin Cobb and Case Keenum, you know, two, two really good players. Both of them played in the NFL. And then, you know, the list it later, you know, goes on. So it's uh, – He's, he's done a, you know, he's, he's had a lot of experience. He's been around a lot of good players. He's coached really some good ones in the last two or three years. And King at, at U of H, he had a guy that was great out at uh, Florida Atlantic that had really only won like three games the year before and got in there and they won, you know, he won in the conference championship in 2017. Can't recall the person's name. I hate that. And then, uh, you know, at Florida State this year, they kind of, you know, banged it around and had to use a couple of guys, but. Um, you know, the background's there, the knowledge is there, and, and I know that, you know, getting uh, some people on campus and getting Franks in there, I think I think Arkansas is in, in good shape and good hands. How, how similar, obviously, I mean, what he's picked up from, from working with you and learning from you, but how similar is the offense that we can expect to see from Kendall to what you, know, you were you were doing? <clears throat> well, I mean, it, you know, there, it, it's all out there now. You know, when we were all together at Houston and at Baylor, we kind of kept everything in-house now. You know, it's spread all over, just like my son-in-law's offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, you know, and there's, you know, Philip Montgomery at Tulsa. There's Dino Babers at Syracuse. I mean, it's just, you know, and then it's just on and on. Sterling Gilbert, you know, I mean, it was at University of Texas, and he was at South Florida. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that, that have a, a really good knowledge of, of conceptually, you know, schematically, you know, what we do. But it's, you know, I mean, there's just so many ways to do to, to run a play and to, um, to find the yards that you're needing. And people go about it differently. You know, and I think what what y'all will enjoy and what people in the SEC will see is that, you know, with tempo, with with uh, formations, you know, with the ability to, um, you know, do the RPOs at a high rate of speed in a, in a tempo fashion that um, it'll add a lot of excitement to the game and, you know, hopefully put some, put some points on board and win the game. But, you know, it's like I talked to Kendall about and Jeff, who's at Ole Miss. I mean, the the most important thing is just win the game. It doesn't matter. You know, you can get caught up a lot of times if you're a, an OC or, you know, a DC or whatever on, you know, what one side of the ball did. But that's not what it's about. You know, it's about what can you do to help this football team win each game. And that's all that matters. Right, yeah. You mentioned Franks a few minutes ago. Obviously, big addition as far as have you had a chance to look at the quarterback? Obviously, KJ uh, Jefferson on campus, and then you know a couple of recruits they're heavy on right now. But how do you feel that Franks will fit into that offense? And and, and is he? You think he's going to be that, that guy that they're going to lean on this year? Obviously, as a grad transfer senior. I think that's the million dollar question. But right? to me, <laughs> you know, I, it's like when you know when I was coaching it and, and collegiately, you know what. It's like taking a JC guy or transfer. You don't take them unless they can start. I mean, that's but it's because you don't develop those people. You know, you bring them in, you teach them the system, you take what talents and skills they have, and then you put them on film and let them use them. So that's, you know, clearly, clearly they feel like, you know, he's he's the person that can come in there and lead that football team, you know, or, or they wouldn't have, you know, pursued him and vice versa. So, I think that speaks for itself, just as it would if you got a JC center or JC middle backer. You know that you're not bringing that kid in to, to develop him for 18 months and then playing for four. You know he's coming in, step on campus and play. So, you know, I would I would think that that's that's the way most high profile transfer which Franks is. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he and he's got a he seems to have obviously a much 
much higher up, upside than some of what's out, what's on campus right now, and we'll see exactly how he fits. But you talked about a little bit as far as the you know the the lear- learning this offense and, and how he's going to kind of plug and play. But um, so I don't know how much you've paid attention to Arkansas in the last couple of years, but something that I think fans in this state are tired of hearing about is is how much of the offense we have installed every week. So is it something that's going to be real difficult for these guys to digest, or or is it you know a, a pretty simple RPO type system like what maybe they are somewhat used to that Morris ran? Yeah, you know I I haven't really you know paid that close attention to not just Arkansas but a lot of SEC and you know, uh, Big Ten, Pac-12, and all that just across the nation. You know, when I, wa- I watch uh, universities that I'm affiliated with and, and have, you know, players and coaches and uh, assistant coaches and, pers- you know, strength personnel that, you know, that I care about and, and have come up through the ranks with. So I pay attention to those universities. And it's about using your personnel, putting them in positions of success and then playing as a unit. Uh, so, you know, uh, the – Learning an offense, you know, we we just don't say here's our offense. We're going to run this. Okay, well if this guy can't run, you know, run the run the double move route and get open on on single coverage or with the safety over the top and somebody underneath, then you know there's no reason to teach that. You know what you got to do is your offense adaptable to the personnel that's playing it. So Kendall would do a great job with that. You know, I know he's got a good offensive staff with him there, and they'll find the right plays. You know, to plug in to fit the personnel. So, as when we start thinking about how he's going to scheme against SEC defenses, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, a little different than what he's faced before. Um, how do in this offense the wide receivers? How do they help in the running game with blocking? How important are the wide? Obviously, Arkansas's got some pretty pretty good skill guys at, at the wide receiver position right now. Um, what's what 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 can we expect from wide from the wide receivers and how they work in the run game and 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 how that offense works that way as well? I mean, anytime you're doing RPOs, then that's you know, everybody's alive, you know, and that's really the great thing that's been about our offense for decades, you know, is that every, everybody's alive on every play. So just because we have this play called, I mean, that's what the quarterback's going to do when we get the line of scrimmage and see how the defense is adjusting or not adjusting. You know, so we have the ability to, to change the play on the, on the run, you know, by side adjustment. So that's, you know, a lot of that's out the window. I mean, a, a receiver blocking. I mean, there's certain plays they'll have to block, and there's other places they're going to be running routes and getting open and being decoys. You know, that's just part of it. But, you know, one thing I've always said, you know, if a receiver's a great blocker, I'm not sure I want him. You know, I want a guy that can run and score and, and create, you know, uh, plays in space. So, uh, you know, I mean, I can, I can find somebody to block. I want to find somebody to go 75 yards. <laughs> well, we need some folks that can block, so hopefully you can help Kendall with that because it's been a struggle well, the last couple I mean, of years. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's okay. I mean, that, they'll, they'll take care of that. That's, oh, yeah. that's not an issue. Right. I can see uh, Wes over here. Looks like his gears are turning. I think he might. You got a question over there? What? No, no, you're just taking notes. All right. <laughs> um, so, so what's, what's next for, what's next for coach uh, Bryles uh, there in Texas? I know that um, your name got linked to a couple spots outside of Texas. I don't know how true that was, but uh, uh, what's next for you? Oh, there wasn't anything to that. I'm, you weren't going you to know, Missouri state. Yeah. You weren't going to be no, Petrino's. No, you weren't going to be Petrino's OC. <laughs> not not one bit. Uh, uh, no, I. Uh, you know, I. And actually, I know. I know Bob. When I when I was at Houston, he was at Louisville. You know, a few years back, back in the early two thousands. But uh, no, there wasn't anything like that. That's just that's just somebody putting that out there with with no no substance. I mean, no truth at all. I didn't right. talk to a soul there, and I don't. You know, I don't have any people that are talking to people either. So that's just. 
kind of shows you how things can get out there. But I'm, you know, I'm good. I mean, my, you know, I'm living, you know, staying here at Mount Vernon a few days a week, and then I go back down to South Texas. You know, we stay down around the Austin area and, uh, you know, get to do that. So these people here are unbelievable. The, you know, the, the city, the, the school district, superintendent, school board, the kids. I mean, it's, it's just great. I mean, it's, it's been a really warm and uplifting time for me. You know, my wife and I spent a, a year in Italy, you know, prior to coming back in here in July of 19 before we started this last spring. So actually, in the year of 2019, I coached 26 football games, you know, as a head oh, wow. coach. 13, yeah, 13 in Italy and 13 in America and offenses and systems and did one of them where only about half people over. I love coaching football. I'm a football coach. I love, you know, on the board and, you know, trying to figure stuff and hopefully keep doing it as long as I can. Yeah. So we had a little bit of a, a breakup there. I don't know. We got a little bad connection, but, um, well, good. You know, I'm, so are you, you're coaching high school ball there in Texas now? <clears throat> yes. Yes, sir. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. Good shame. I can't believe I said all that and y'all didn't know hear anything. But we got a lot of it, but it broke a little okay. bit. It broke up towards the end there. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, I apologize for that. But uh, oh, we're good. But I'm saying we're uh, we're Razorback fans right now, so I'm uh, we're excited. A lot of people are excited for you know Coach Pittman and staff, and uh, you know we're uh, we're anxious to get up that way and and say hi and see what's going on. Well, hopefully we can run across you when you when you find your way to Fayetteville for a game this year. We. Uh, you know, enjoy it. We appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to, yes, to what Bryles is going to bring to, to Arkansas and to the SEC and, and hopefully a lot of excitement on the offensive side of the ball this year and, and for the next few years to come. I'm, I'm for that. So let's uh, – let's what is it, WPS? Yes, sir. Woo Pig Sewer. Woo Pig. Yes, sir. There you go. See, I'm learning. I'm a quick learner. Oh, we're going to have you calling but, the hogs uh, before it's all said and done. So <laughs> I, I can get that high note. Hey, that's but, what we uh, want. <laughs> But we'll have fun, and y'all, uh, I appreciate y'all. Yes, sir. Well, we appreciate your time tonight, Coach. Thank you, Coach. All right, man. Thank right, you. Thank yes, you. sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode of Inside the Natural State is brought to you by Mountain Valley Spring Water. Since 1871, bottled in glass straight from the Washita Mountains. Visit mountainvalleyspring.com today to find your local distributor. Well, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Man, that was fun with, with Coach Bryles. Uh, a lot of good information there um, on Kendall. What to expect from this offense, man. I'm pretty excited. I know we're a long way from football season, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see the spring game. I'm excited to see what this offense can bring. Um, and I, I'm, I mean, again, my expectations are very low for next season. Um, but, man, They've at least got you a little excited. I agree. And this this is the year that we have the spring game up here. So it's right. close to go and check out what they've done, what the installs are, all that. Yeah, we'll be there. And I know that um, I still haven't. And we talked about this before we got started recording tonight. But um, I need to look into that and, and, and find out what those dates were because I've not seen the official dates for the spring um, for the spring practice spring game. I know they were trying to push it back as far as they can. Um, so maybe. so ha- they haven't officially released that yet, right? I don't think so. Not that yeah. I've okay. seen. Like I said, I know that they were they were petitioning the NCAA to let them push everything back, but I don't know if that got um, if that got passed. So um, big recruiting weekend. Obviously, this is signing week. Signing day is Wednesday. Um, we will finally know what this class ends up. Um, obviously, when Pittman took over, I think we were right around 118th. Um, I've you know let me I'm gonna pull this up while we're talking um, as far as where we currently stand. I love recruiting, but for someone that hasn't had the opportunity to follow recruiting closely lately, 
what what am I looking for on Wednesday? Make me. What am I excited about? Are there opportunities for a flip? Yeah, there so are players that we need to watch. So really, what we're watching for right now, um, a couple of names uh, that are that, that I think we're going to feel pretty good about. Uh, number one will be Malik Hornsby. Uh, that is going uh, right now. Looks like the quarterback of the future that everybody's focused on. I, my understanding is he's he's a silent commit. He obviously canceled his visit to Baylor this weekend and then hosted Browse and Pittman That's last big. night. So. I, and Baylor took a commitment from another quarterback over the weekend. Um, he's a hog. And so he's it, everything points to, to him being a hog, and I think it's been a done deal for a, a week or two now. Um, because from my understanding, the staff was pushing for a commitment when he was on when he was on campus this week, um, and so I th- or this past week. So um, I, I think that uh, I think they've probably got the him. Well, let's not kid ourselves. That's a big need. Not as big as offensive line and linebacker, but that's a big need. Well, so on the offensive line, you got a couple of names that we're going to be watching pretty close. Jalen St. John is one, um, a kid out of Missouri that was committed to Brad Davis at Missouri um, and decommitted. He's been on campus a couple of times. Um, I think the staff feels really good about where they are with St. John right now. Um, don't think that uh, – I don't think we're going to be issues there. Uh, that's a three-star offensive lineman. And then the other one – high three-star, yeah, mid-three-star? Yeah, high three-star, highly thought of. Um, and then Marcus Henderson is the other one. Uh, Marcus is a four-star uh, offensive lineman. And uh, right now it looks like it's going to come down between us and Ole Miss. Everything's – if you read the boards and you read all the – stuff, kind of read into things, it looks like Arkansas feels great about their chances and Ole Miss feels great about their chances. So let's hope this doesn't end up being one of those deals where we end up sitting in second place on Wednesday. I would agree. So because that's a huge piece. Obviously the Broderick Jones thing, the the big five-star offensive lineman, he's not coming to Arkansas. Um, so those are two guys. We were that, just a little too late to the party on that one, weren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and and I wouldn't call it a courtesy visit. I think that he was obviously No, it was a courtesy visit. You eh, can call it that. I guess to some extent. I, I don't I I think that he um, you know, I think that he really wanted to give Pittman an opportunity to 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 sell the program and, and to get a shot and and you know, I've read some stuff too recently. I know there's a lineman that didn't sign early with Georgia um, that apparently wanted to come to Arkansas and Pittman kind of talked him out of it. It's like, look, this is where you need to be. Um, this is this is where this is where you're wanted and 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 this is what you where you need to be. Pittman has made it a point not to go out and actively recruit guys that he had committed to him at Georgia. Give him a full year. He will recruit those top players. You want oh, to talk today that yeah. he was hired. I am no longer worried about our offensive line. It will get fixed. Yeah. So from a physicality standpoint and from the offensive line in general, absolutely. I mean, you, we, I don't think we're going to have to worry about that, that between him and Brad Davis, they've got that worked out. I don't, I don't think we're going to have to worry about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, not getting Henderson would, would be a bruise to this class. I mean, it would hurt a little bit. Um, so a couple of commitments out of the weekend, uh, defensive line commit, Andy Boykin, that's a four star that the staff kind of rolled the dice on. He had offers from Alabama, Auburn, Georgia. Um, but there is potentially some great issues mm. there. Um, and so it's a little bit of a stretch possibly to go ahead and take that commitment, but apparently they feel pretty good about the, the chances of getting here. It's a guy that started his season off at 260 as a defensive end and grew to 301 pounds in a defensive tackle by the end of his senior year. So this kid has got some monster size. He is a special piece on the defensive line that if they can bring him in and he gets on campus, he's going to be something else. Uh, um, not to interrupt you, but just to kind of set this up, numbers-wise, what are we looking at? 
18, no. 16. No, what? I think they're, I think we're at 18 right now. Um, somewhere in that neighborhood, 18, 19. And I think that they'll probably end up with about 23, 24. Or sign 24. Yeah. Um, and then you start, I think they'll probably get 23 guys, 24 guys somewhere in there is where we'll be at, at when Wednesday ends. And then I think you'll see them fill a couple more spots with a couple of grand transfers. Do you really? Bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause they're going to strike out at tight end. Um, it looks like, and, and I guess it's a relationship. I don't know. Alan Horace looks like he's headed to UTSA to go play with Lunny and, and those guys. Say that again out loud. Right. I mean, he, he's going to pick that over Arkansas, which we have two tight ends on scholarship right now. I, I'm, I don't understand. They had another guy, I think out of Florida, maybe that they hoped would visit this weekend. um, But he ended up going to Arizona state instead. So they're going to strike out at tight end, which means they're going to have to go after the grad transfer market or a Juco guy. And so I think what we'll probably see is about 23. Um, they had another big uh, grad transfer on campus this past week, defensive tackle, defensive tackle Xavier Kelly. It's a Clemson, uh, Clemson transfer. He was a four-star defensive tackle coming out of high school. Hasn't had a ton of run as a player at, uh, um, at Clemson, but he's got a ton of size, would be a great piece to add from a depth perspective. I'll like that and, like and that leadership. Move. So, and all signs he was. So, so you're not in our, in our group chat, but I tried to tell these guys over the weekend, I try that, to stay away from group <laughs> chats. They drive me crazy. Well, I told these guys over the weekend that Kelly was a commit. I, I, I he, he, I, from what I've been told and have heard and have read and seen that he did, he committed, um, Steve Wiltfong with 24 seven came out and, 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 and crystal balled him to Arkansas. So all signs point to him being an Arkansas, uh, commit when this is all said and done. Um, the other big one that I hate to say, I don't think we're going to get cause we really need, um, is Savion Williams, the, the, the wide receiver out of Texas, who was originally committed under Chad Morris. And then when the coaching change happened, he decommitted. And uh, it looks like somehow, some way that TCU is going to end up getting him on Wednesday. But that's another one to watch um, on Wednesday. The guys to keep an eye out on, on Wednesday, Malik Hornsby, um, Jalen St. John, uh, Marcus Henderson, and then, of course, Savion Williams. Um, Levi Draper is a linebacker out of uh, Oklahoma. And he's a grad transfer as well that's going to have two years of eligibility left. Um, currently plays actually for Barry Odom's brother at Oklahoma. And um, I, I've not heard a whole lot about how his visit went this weekend, but it seems like Arkansas is in a good position to land him as well. Um, so that's going to be another big piece to keep an eye on. Um, and then the other piece that came out of the weekend as well is uh, the 2021 class um, got their first commitment um, in – Offensive lineman Terry Wells, who is an Arkansas kid, out of win. Um, so big commitment there to kind of get the 2021 class kicked off. You're pretty plugged in on all of this. You're going to be running Twitter on Wednesday? Yeah, well, I'm hoping um, the plan is to try to do at least do a live video on the Facebook page, um, and then I'll have updates going out throughout the day. I'll have all the times that these guys plan to commit or sign, um, and I'll get that out on our on our uh, Facebook page this week or here in the next 24 hours so that we know who to look at. Um, I think we had another commitment that I missed. Do, do, do. I don't know what I did with it, though. Oh, well, anyway. The other thing I wanted to bring up before we move on to some baseball talk um, – I found this article on and we were talking about Kendall Browles earlier and, and with coach with coach Browles there, um, you know, the Malik Hornsby deal. 
this kid, I don't know if you guys have followed this kid and his, he's had a, quite the rise over the last couple of weeks. He, he jumped from outside the top 150 to the top 100 player in the country. Uh, he's the number five dual threat passer in the country. Uh, I mean, this is going to be a huge get. This guy's you seen this film. Yeah. Oh, you he, damn he, right. He flies. And, and he's being compared to Robert Griffin. I mean, in terms of a college style, this, so I don't, this was a, uh, this was a 24 seven analyst, Charles power, who actually put this out, calls him a thinner signal caller than Griffin that will add substantial weight, but he's a track athlete with verified top end speed, uh, missed a handful of games to begin this year because of when he earned his junior season due to a transfer appeal, um, but he presents a dynamic run threat as a trigger man to an explosive spread offense, owns a strong arm with the ability to stretch the field vertically at his most dangerous when allowed to present defenses with run pass conflict via the RPO game or on broken plays. They're going to have to put some weight on him because yeah. he's a little, uh, he's a little skinny for the SEC, but that's the question. Can they put the weight on and can he maintain the measurables and the speed that he has now? Cause right now, ooh, have you buddy. seen our strength coach? <laughs> Yeah, he looks like he'd hurt somebody. I got all faith in the world that he's going to put some muscle on this kid. Uh, I, I, I don't <laughs> doubt that he's going to put muscle on him. The question is, can he put that on without losing any of this speed? Yeah, and I don't think that'll be a major issue. I mean, that's what those guys are trained to do. But speaking of that, totally different subject, real quick. Did you see? Have you seen the old Miss strength coach though? <laughs> it's hilarious. If you get a chance, you got to find the pictures of these guys. I'm going to have to it's Google like this. Bod strength coach. Yes. So you put. It's like what? He's like dad bod. Yeah, know. he's got the dad. Oh no, bod. we gotta pull this. What what is this? I, I'll have to show you when we're done. It's, it's, it's old Miss Twitter. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's something, man. And, and, and it's just funny when you see the comparison between the guy that we have and then the guy that they is. It's it's wild, man. I love it when Ole Miss does stuff that just screams make fun of me. Oh, I, I got a feeling we're gonna get the chance to make a lot of fun of Ole Miss over the next couple of years. At least I hope. God, I hope we do. Hey, their booger eater got arrested. Did y'all see that? No, I didn't. Yeah, like, the, the booger, booger eater pitcher from last year, Nikhazy. Oh, yeah, the one that's transferring. Or no, they said that he was going to. They were going to handle it internally. Yeah, yeah, he got uh, yeah, he, he got a DWI or DUI uh, over the weekend. <laughs> so yeah, their 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 baseball team's already struggling. So speaking of baseball, mm-hmm. transition right in. You know, Wes is Wes is my baseball guy over here now. We we we. I can't wait. We made the trip to Omaha a couple years ago and got to cry together. When and let me just say. Wes is the sorest loser of anyone I've ever met. He does not handle losing. I don't well. like losing well. So at all. I've never seen someone leave as quick as he did from 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 TD Ameritrade Park. But uh, it was a good time. Business, that, life, I sports. Like. I don't like losing. I'm I don't like you. losing at all. I'm I told you, you I was going to. I know. I'm out. I know. We we went and stood next to the dugout hoping for an autograph for a while, and unfortunately watched. Oregon State do the thing. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that anymore. So what can we expect this year out of this baseball team, yeah, Wes? Thanks for opening that sore again. Right. <laughs> I, I am super excited about this bunch. I mean, when you look at the preseason rankings here, we've got uh, perfect game, the ranked fourth. USA Today coaches the ranked fifth. NCBWA, help me out on that one. I don't know what that one is. But anyway, they're ranked sixth. Then you start to get to where – I don't know what these people are thinking. D1 baseball's got them seventh. Collegiate baseball has them ninth. And baseball, what the hell are you doing? America has them rank 11th. I don't know who, what team that they're watching. They're, yeah. they're nowhere near the 11th ranked team in the country. This, I mean, we have some questions. We have to find a Sunday starter. 
We've got to figure out our middle relievers, and we've got to replace Matt Cronin, who has been a lights-out closer for the last few years. But having said that, top to bottom, this lineup is outstanding. Every statistical category that we have offensively is in danger this year. Absolutely. 100% agree. And you look at, even just from the DH position, a guy like Matt Goodhart, who's going to step back into that, that spot this year, uh, coming off of surgery. Dude hit 345, 16 doubles, two triples, and five home runs last year. Oh, just say that again. Let that sink in. That is our DH. That's your DH. I mean, that's, and that's that's probably going to be the low guy on the hitting t- mm-hmm. totem pole when you think about what they're going to do in terms of overall average. And, and, and Goodhart's only going to get stronger this year, too. So, I mean, and then you add the pieces like a, like a, a Braden Webb, mm-hmm. who's just going going to absolutely mash the ball. Of course, Kerstad's going to do what Kerstad does. Um, you know, you hope Casey Martin, as we talked about earlier, learned his learned learned how to you know a little if better. Casey play just learned how to lay off pitches. He's going to be better. Yeah. Well, and there's a video out right now, Ryan. Folks, if you follow him on Twitter, um, he's got a video from the scrimmage yesterday of of Moore and and Martin turning a pretty slick double play there in the middle on Webb on a play that probably would have been base hit against anybody else. So, that you're right. I mean, the the offensive. This is going to be an offensive juggernaut of a yeah. of a team this year. Um, and, and I mean, we're not even talking about guys like like Cedric Washington, um, who who just um, Curtis Washington. Sorry, like Curtis Washington. <laughs> Will went way back there with the right? receiver, <laughs> <laughs> but like Curtis Washington, who who absolutely annihilated a ball in the scrimmage this weekend. So I mean. I spent two seconds there. He's always been used for speed, and there's so much power and pop in that lineup. I can't see them doing what they did last year. Now, they backed off of it once they got into SEC play, but early in the year last year, where were we at? Stealing bases going into SEC play. Oh, it we was way, way up, there. up there. Yeah, and then that fell off once they got yeah, into SEC Yeah, I can't play. see them doing that again. <laughs> the speed will be there this year for them to, for them to be a more rounded team offensively from a speed perspective. Um, but And we talked about this with Kevin Bohannon mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. He and, and he made a good comparison. Um, you know, he kind of compared uh, Curtis to a like a, a um, Hunter, um, Hunter Wilson a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a spark plug guy, guy, and I, I call him our Swiss Army knife because I think the guy can do anything. He can he can hit for power, he can hit for average, he can steal bases, and he's a heck of a fielder. So Where I mean, did they play him? Left last year? Did um, he fill in for for? Uh, he played. Yeah, Christian so Franklin. Franklin said okay. he played, okay. and, and I would assume that he'll probably tandem more so with Webb than he will with with Franklin. Um, although him and his and Franklin's games are fairly similar. Um, you hope that Franklin average wise is a more of a three, three forty, three fifty hitter this year versus right. that two seventy, two eighty guy. If he makes that kind of jump, you're I mean this this lineup is I mean, it's already. So let's spend just a second on that. And I know we don't want to spend too much time on this, but uh, Braden Webb and left. We good. Moving Christian to center and giving him, he's got the speed to be there. He's got the instincts to be there. Kerstad takes his normal place in right. We good there? Yep. Yep. Infield. Nezzy. Nez is going to be at third. I think you'll see Nez maybe even play some first. Cole Austin and Nez will probably swap a little bit, but I think for midweek games, or are you talking about SEC play? I think I think early they'll toy with that to see what their better option. I don't is disagree now. with that. I think I think I'd rather see Austin at first, but I think it just we know what we get from Nesbitt at third in his glove. I mean, he's got a Gold Glove caliber third base, right? I mean, he, he's 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 really really good. So 
I, I like that lineup with those guys at the corner. Casey, you know what you're getting at short. Yeah, the middle of this infield is going to be sick. Man. Yeah, Between. second baseman. He's a freshman, but oh my lord. <laughs> yeah, as as Kevin Boannon said the other day, he didn't come here to sit on the bench. He came no, here. he's he, he a didn't player. Leave, yeah, he didn't leave high school a year early to come here. He's a player. Around. He's a player, and he's a name. If you don't know his name, you're going to know it. Soon enough. Yeah. My only question, and it seems like he's answering it right now, is, you know, how will he adjust to SEC level pitching coming straight from high school? But so far in practices and scrimmages, he's going to have that much trouble with it. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it. And it was funny. I don't know if you guys have seen the, uh, uh, as we wrap up here, but I don't know if you guys have seen the, the, uh, I think it was uh, one of the Northwest Arkansas news channels let Heston Kerstad interview the team. Oh my God! It's a thing of beauty. You, you, if you haven't seen it, you gotta watch it. He he interviews uh, he interviews um, uh, Robert Moore at one point and is talking to as he said. Robert says, "Yeah, I just I just like to get over here once in a while from playing some ball at Fayetteville High School with the guys that I know over there, and and, and, and the guys more my 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 speed. It's 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 good stuff, man. It's really really good stuff. <laughs> I thought Will had something over there, and then he then he muted me. Well, so. it was uh, Pig Trail Nation. That's right, Pig Trail Nation. Who was. That's yeah. who it was. That's right. It was pretty funny. And then he asked them, uh, who did he ask? I think he asked Nesbitt if, uh, if he, who was someone on the team that you would let date, date your, sister. your sister. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was good. Oh, that goodness. was good. Who did he say? I can't remember who he I said. I thought he said Nesbitt. He said he, he said Nesbitt is who he Whoever would allow. He asked, I don't remember who he was talking to. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, because Nesbitt was his roommate for a while. So. It's going to be an exciting year, dude. It's going to be an exciting year, and I don't want to jinx us by saying anything, but if you're one of the families that like to follow the team north in June, I probably wouldn't make any plans for the third week of June. Yeah, I'd, I'd leave your June open. Um, I'm waiting on uh, the, the stadium there at TD Ameritrade to send me my email with my book of tickets so that I can go ahead and make that purchase. Um, we're excited, man. I'm looking forward to it. I think you and I are going to go up for the Gonzaga series, at least catch a couple games. My wife and I are going to the Houston series as well, so yeah. it'll be good. We'll see them back-to-back weekends there. Excited to see them play some of the teams that they're going to have down in Houston. And the, the, the non-conference series is really good. They've got some good midweek series. Um, it's a lot of good baseball. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, Wes? Dude, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah did you enjoy fun. yourself? No, it's been fun. First, I've first. had to kind of watch how I talk to you. I don't sure i don't say anything yeah we couldn't have a jason Brown episode so yeah <laughs> no but it's been fun it's fun yeah. i appreciate you guys having me up yeah well, we hope to hope to get you back again hopefully next week we'll we'll do the same thing again and we're recording from the new studio so we'll see how things go it's a little it's a little it's a little nicer than what we had before i think so we'll see i mean not that's not a dig i'm just saying we're i'm, I'm a little more comfortable now so i'm at home i'm gonna be more comfortable at home than i'm gonna be anywhere else. so we got two basketball games this week yep auburn baseball and- is a week from this coming friday yep yep so auburn who you got i'm gonna take the hogs at home okay well, I've been picking against the Hogs here lately, and they keep proving me wrong. So I'll take the Hogs in a six or seven point win. Okay, I'm going to take the Hogs. I picked them to beat Alabama first time. I think I've picked the Hogs to win in a minute. So they, I, I like them. I like, I like the opportunity they got here. So this is big. Missouri, I, Missouri. I, we go two and zero this week. Okay, two and zero. Two and zero. I'm going to go two and zero this week too. Missouri's not a good ball club, so we ought to be able to handle that one, even if, even on the road. All right, guys. Well, it's been fun. Appreciate Art Browse joining us. And until next week, we'll see you later. Woo pig.